Pixel Therapy is a member of the But Why Though Podcast Network. Go to butwhythopodcast.com for an inclusive geek community offering pop culture news, reviews, and podcasts. I know a lot of people, especially people who aspire to be a game developer, they get hooked into, or just, they just get tangled into the sort of like web of gatekeeping. Like, what does it mean to be a game developer? What kind of skills it takes to be a game maker? Mm-hmm. And I like, I want to tell that person to like, whatever's on the table, just just throw everything on the floor and like <laughs> like just toss it onto the floor even if you make a 10 second game entwine your game maker welcome to pixel therapy the video game podcast where we look at the games we play through the lens of the player where what you play is just as important as how you play it and where emotional intelligence is a critical stat Every other week, we bring on a guest who may or may not consider themselves a gamer to discuss the games that have made them and changed them and all the feelings they have about our favorite pastime. I'm your co-host, Jamie, pronouns she, her. And I'm your co-host, Spencer, pronouns they, them. And this is Pixel Therapy. We are going to start, as we always do, with our Patreon shoutouts. This is our special thank you to everyone who subscribed. And I've got a new list for you folks today. Oh my so God. everyone who subscribed at our Patreon name in the credits tier for the month of March. So today we'd like to say a very big thank you to Val, Genevieve, Lindsay, Grace, Jackie, Ben, Pimatai, and Adiyinka. Thank you all so very, very much for your support. Remember, if you want to get your name in the credits, you can hop on over to patreon.com slash pixeltherapypod where you can subscribe for as little as just $2 a month. And you'll get access to our monthly bonus series called Co-op Mode. Our March episode was uh, Spencer and I talking about Horizon Forbidden West, if you can believe it. (laughs) And we were diving deep on all the mechanics and combat tips and tricks. So if that sounds like something that interests you, head on over to patreon.com slash pixeltherapypod and check us out. Check us out. Just check it out. Just Just look at it. Yeah, just give it a look. See if if you're interested. A wink and a nod. Yeah. If you're a fan of what we do here on Pixel Therapy, and I hope that you are, please consider sharing us with your friends and family, rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts, or you can even write into the show by emailing us at pixeltherapypod at gmail.com. We'd really love to hear from you, any of you, even just one of you. <laughs> the inbox, uh, there's been a, a tumbleweed blowing through it. <laughs> 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 All right, folks, it's time to get cozy. Pull up an armchair. Feel free to lie down on the couch and let's talk about our feelings. Spencer, how are you doing today? I'm well, Jamie. You're well. Okay. That's <laughs> well, nice. I'm well oh I'm struggling in no. the I'm struggling in the in the in the joint struggle that all of us tarnished are in. <laughs> <laughs> oh ye tarnished. <laughs> <laughs> Although I am but a maidenless wretch <laughs> i too may yet claw my way out of the oh my gosh. between <laughs> oh my gosh that was beautiful um for anyone who's not following along uh spencer is referring to the hit game best game of all time question mark elden ring what <laughs> i mean i don't know some people are saying it i'm not saying i'm saying it i'm just saying some people are some people are saying it a game it. that got me 25 points or something 35 points on our critics league damn 
Yeah, our Fantasy Critics League. It's truly getting perfect scores across the board. It's getting very good scores. Oh very gosh. good scores. Well, uh, let me back up a sec. Yeah, let's back up. Let's rewind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm, rewind the I'm tape. good. <laughs> I, uh, well, you know, I finished Horizon Forbidden West. And, yes. Um, right before, we both did. Yes, we did. We both did. We uh, both finished it. Well, I had uh, finished it before last time. Yeah. I guess I didn't need to say that. I was that. slow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. How dare you take so long oh, to no. play an 80-plus hour video game, Spencer? Get with it. <laughs> yeah. I, you had to I, quit your job to have time I to play know, your Horizon from Midwest. <laughs> <laughs> I needed uh, a sabbatical from work just to focus on my real job, which is playing video games. Amen. Um, but I mean, uh, just what a beautiful journey. Um, and just, I'd been waiting a long time, like we both were, we'd been waiting a long mm. time for Horizon. So mm-hmm. it was a big release to be able to finally play it. Um, and uh, you, right before we started recording, Jamie put it into words for me of, um, what was it? Post big game. Post big game on Wii. Yeah. <laughs> or, or malaise, depending malaise. on how you want to. Post game malaise. Yeah. <laughs> um, and there's a plethora of games out right now. So um, many. Of just there's a, a bounty. Blue. There's Weird West. There's Tunic. There's like a bunch of things Norco. I want to play. Oh yeah, Norco, which um I need to get to. I just sitting down on my computer is like the last thing I want to do know. right now. I know. With this weather, just in general, I'm just like yeah. Norco's only on PC right now, so it's a tough <laughs> toughy. I'm trying to play it, but it's, yeah, just like when I can grab myself in the right mood to stay at the computer. <laughs> yeah, and like you have to kind of, I don't know, I feel like with Inscription, it just sucked me in. So I, mm. the com- I don't, the computer fell away and it was just me <laughs> and the screen. But, so I need to get in that headspace again where I just let myself immerse and try not to think too much about the fact that I'm sitting at my desk. I don't know. I feel like I'm going to have to become one of those people who has a work desk and a gaming desk because I like. I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm really like, I'm very seriously like trying to figure this out for myself mm. because there's so many games that only come to PC and it's like I could wait. I, a lot of the games that that bubble up that are that are really, I, I don't know, a lot of games bubble up and they eventually come to other platforms. But mm. I don't know. There's I'm looking at like kind of the list of games that, I, you know, I've put together another one of those ridiculous hype spreadsheets to track I all the it. games that I want to play this year or, you know, that I am expecting to come out that I'm interested in. And so many of them are going to at least initially be PC releases. And it's mm-hmm. just like, yeah, how do I make this an experience that I actually want to have? I do know a big part of it for me is being able to lean, like lean back. <laughs> it's mm. just, just like makes physically? a big difference. Like physically lean back. Yeah. Mm. Like when you're sitting at a desk, I, I tend to be kind of like hunched over it or, <sighs> or, you know, leaning forward, leaning in. It's more active as Great opposed point. to relaxing and leaning back. So I was kind of like trying to figure out, can I get an ottoman and put it under my desk so I can like put my feet up? Mm. Um, I know they make uh, different like gaming lap things that mm. will hold your your keyboard and your mouse. So I don't know. I'm kind of trying to decide if I want to try to invest to make it something. But I feel like I could invest and still not actually enjoy doing it. So what I really want is the Steam Deck to come out because that kind of yes. seems like <laughs> the perfect uh, for, for, for folks who don't know, the Steam Deck is almost like a Nintendo Switch, but for PC games, it's being released by Valve's Steam Company. Um, it's slowly rolling out this year, right? They like mm-hmm. took pre-orders and then it's just like on this really extended release schedule. But yeah. it kind of seems like a nice alternative. Uh, you know, I don't want to invest in a gaming laptop, mm-hmm. but this is a gaming handheld device that will run 
a large library of PC games. Um, and I don't know. I'm keeping an eye on it. I think it could be interesting if that could turn into like a PC indie machine for me to use in the living room comfortably. Oh that God, might be the, the solution dream. to all my problems. Yeah. <laughs> and I have a gaming PC and I'm still kind of <laughs> like, oh man, I'd love nothing more than to just kick back and yeah. Oh, that sounds great. Recline with my little games. So, yeah. so I, you know, I finished Horizon and nothing was really grabbing me. I think too, I get in this space where I want to just continue feeling that. What is it? This it's like this feeling of freedom and and endless possibility and like I'm sinking into something completely mm. unknown. Um and I just haven't really been getting that from other games that are like out right now. Um and then slowly around me, people that I love and respected started falling <laughs> ill. With an illness <laughs> called more Elden Ring, <laughs> uh, and even Jamie, who even I, I have succumbed, we were talking, um, like on Slack, and um, I was like, "Oh, you know, Elden Ring's out," and we would just kind of be like, "Yeah, like, don't know if it's for me. Like, don't think it's gonna be the type of thing I want to play." But mm-hmm. like, so interesting reading the reviews coming in, seeing the gameplay, and then one day Jamie was like. I've fallen prey to the siren song, <laughs> and I knew what that meant. <laughs> yeah, yep. It got me. It got me. So, so like, I, yeah, tell us how it got you. <laughs> okay, I, I'm going to try. Um, so just to, in case anyone is at all confused, I think we've mentioned Elden Ring a few times on the show, and it's really, like, blowing up in terms of, like, popular, like, if you are in a video game loop at all, you've probably heard of Elden Ring, but just to say it, Elden Ring came out February 25th um, of this year, our Lord 2022. It's out on PlayStation, Xbox, and PC. It's developed by From Software, published by Bandai Namco. And From Software is known for creating challenging action role-playing games that are notoriously kind of obtuse um, with not super straight and clear narratives, uh, challenging, uh, some would say punishing combat and, um, dark, often dark, gritty, and sometimes even gruesome or, or gross <laughs> worlds and, and creatures <laughs> and creatures. Um, and so Elden Ring specifically is a fantasy game that they've created, uh, set in kind of a dark fantasy world. And the game was directed by, uh, Miyazaki, who's their primary game director there at FromSoft, and made in collaboration with fantasy novelist George R.R. R. Martin, who provided material for the game's setting. So, like, what material? Because there's, like, no I, dialogue. It's a mostly silent game. So yeah, I'm like, was the I fingers have you? <laughs> <laughs> George R.R. R. Martin is responsible for the two fingers. Um, I, yeah, no, I assume he... I, it's they're, they haven't been super specific, I don't think. And if they have, then I, I haven't seen it. But my assumption is that he probably like worked on some of the guiding like lore documents with Miyazaki and like creating the actual like world and the basic lore. But I don't think George R. R. Martin was like doing line by line writing for this game. It was probably more of like a what is the world that we're building? Here's here's the world and and the way it operates and and weighing in on that in that regard. Hmm. Um. Yeah, that that's my my assumption. It's basically like a scarier and more body horror filled Lord of the Rings. 
Yeah, yeah. I think I think you can definitely draw parallels to Lord of the Rings, especially with the the ring being a component in it. I wouldn't say that I'm super clear on what's happening at the point that I'm at in the game. And I think that's probably a common experience with this game and with um, from software games in general. Um, There are games where you might meet NPC characters who will tell you things, but everyone kind of speaks in a little bit of code because they're talking very much in a space of as though you already understand the world and how it mm-hmm. operates. So characters will talk to you like you're already deeply familiar <laughs> with everything that's going on. Um, and then a lot of lore is actually gleaned through things like item descriptions, through just finding uh, messages and and passageways and stuff in the world. There's a lot of discoverability that exists. And people actually like have whole ass YouTube channels and stuff just dedicated to parsing out the, the little bits and pieces of lore that they can find throughout these games and trying mm. to explain them and piece them all to together to create a cohesive vision of, of what what's actually happening. So as I said, they're, they're known for being super obscure and I think Elden ring falls into that. Um, the general premise, as I understand it <laughs> is that in this fantasy land called the lands between, uh, there was some sort of a greater power god slash entity that everyone follows and bestowed power upon their the queen of the lands mm. in the form of an Elden Ring. And the Elden Ring was shattered mm-hmm, mm-hmm. into a bunch of pieces. The queen has gone missing, Queen Merica, I believe, if I'm understanding this correctly. The Elden Ring has been shattered and her offspring, question mark, family, question mark, cousins or just <laughs> close friends, question mark, a series of demigods across the land have have each uh, captured a shard of the Elden Ring. Oh, is that what's happening? <laughs> yeah. So when the Elden Ring got shattered, uh, basically a bunch of power hungry folks grabbed a piece and they're kind of hoarding it, but the the shard of the Elden Ring and the power that came with it has also corrupted them. Mm-hmm. And so a set of folks called the Tarnished have basically been risen from the dead, and you are one of these Tarnished, uh, with the express, it, express purpose of following the god's will i don't know that they call it you know there's like the these trees these beautiful trees there's mm. a lot of talk to some sort of a religion but i'm still not quite sure i understand like who the deity is that everyone's following but their god has apparently called upon these tarnished to rise from the dead and serve the god's will by trying to collect the shards of the elden ring and put it back together and so you are one of these people a lowly nameless <laughs> maidenless tarnished mm-hmm. who has been recalled to become the Elden Lord. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. So the game kind of, it, it gives you like this short, this brief, you know, like two minute uh, summary of this. It's all very epic feeling. There's yeah. like a, it's a, you know, it's a um, cut scene and there's just this guy like hammering on an anvil and this like dark voice is telling you this tale. And, and then, you know, then you just pop up and you pick a class. It's it's a very traditional role playing game in that, you know, there's what there's like 10 or so different classes yeah. that you can pick from that all kind of start with a slightly different um, distribution of their attribute points. And you pick your class, you go out into the world, you get a you get 
You can miss the tutorial. That's been a whole thing because the game's really just like, here you go, go ahead. And you're like in this cave and you're working your way up out of the cave and you get to a point where there's some very clearly lit stairs Mm. that look like where you should go. And to the right, there's a ghostly man sitting by a hole. And what a lot of players don't realize is that you need to go down the hole to get the game's tutorial. Yeah. Um, But I already knew about that. So I didn't miss the tutorial. (laughs) I went down the hole and did the tutorial, which is pretty simple and straightforward. Uh, It just kind of tells you what buttons to press to throw your sword around. Or if you uh, are a spellcaster, it tells you how to cast spells. And then the game just puts you out into the open world. And you've got an enormous map uh, to explore. And most of the things in the world are out to kill you, and they will hit you very hard and very fast. <laughs> yeah. Is that a good setup? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, <laughs> um, it's very minimal in terms of screen UI. Like, you're truly just dropped into this world, and it's basically like, okay, um, good luck. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, one of my favorite things about the game is... Um, there's this multiplayer aspect where if you have online mode turned on, um, you can see other players from time to time in the form of these, like a ghostly apparition of another character. And you'll see them like maybe running around in the same area as you or fighting. And so it kind of feels like, oh, like we're all in this together. Like there's kind of this mm-hmm. feeling of community there because it is a very bleak and desolate dying world. And so, that's tough for me because I like to feel, I don't know, I like to feel good when I'm playing games sometimes. And so the world can feel very lonely and quiet. And so I really like this aspect of being able to see traces of other people. Um, and then there's this feature where you can, people, players can leave notes on the ground for each other um, using a word, like a preset dictionary of words that you can put together that the game provides you so sometimes it's kind of like broken sounding (laughs) statements Mm -hmm. um but other times like when i uh was first starting the game um and so i should say it took a lot to build myself up to download this game um i spent several weeks like yeah what what finally (laughs) convinced you because and we're gonna dig more into like what i'm enjoying about the game here in a minute i know you kind of like Toss that to me and I ignored it and instead talked about what the game is. It's some great context setting, though. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so, you know, I started the game a few weeks because I finished Horizon before you. So I started the game pretty much right after finishing Horizon. Actually, before I popped the Platinum in Horizon, I ended up downloading the game and have been, you know, kind of talking to you a little bit about my experiences as I went. And all along, it sounded like you were you were just like, mm, that doesn't sound like it's for me. That doesn't sound like it's for me. That doesn't sound like it's for me. And then randomly yesterday, you were like, yeah, so I downloaded Elden Ring. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, what, what finally tipped the scales for you? Is it just FOMO at this point? <laughs> oh, it's a little bit of FOMO. Like I've, I listened to a couple of gaming podcasts, like The Besties and um, Waypoint and like, I also started listening to um, Kind of Funny Games Daily, and it was like everywhere I turned, they're all talking mm-hmm. about Elden Ring. Yeah. Um, and you were talking about it, it started to a bit, and I was like, wow, I mean, if Jamie is having a good time, like maybe it's not, maybe there's something, <laughs> there's something here. Um, <laughs> I also just like, I, a lot of folks have compared it to Skyrim, mm-hmm. um, an Elder Scrolls game. Is that Bethesda? Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, um, Skyrim, you know, is like 12 years old now at this point, yeah, but yeah. really 
when it came out, it, it really just the the openness of the game, the fact that you could interact with basically anything, the way it didn't at all ask you to stick to a main quest and let the whole world open for you to explore and do whatever you wanted in this mm-hmm. world. Um, just really um, set the tone for like, I think a lot of open world games that came after. Um, mm-hmm. And I just, I really, I personally played over 300 hours of Skyrim. I, I yep. loved that game. And yep. um certainly from seeing gameplay videos and reading about the game i could i could even see before i played it the sort of parallels to skyrim and the mm-hmm. especially the feeling of just boundless possibility um mm-hmm. so that intrigued me cuz i i felt i did feel an an empty space where an open world game should have been where i was mm-hmm. like i just really want to feel that freedom again um and i started just I don't know, like I started having dreams where I would be like riding the horse and exploring. <laughs> and I was kind of like, oh, like maybe I could just, maybe I can just try it out. Especially if I'm going to talk about it. If I'm going to say, like, I feel like this is an amazing time to join, to like start playing a From Software, like a Souls game. It's just like, mm-hmm. it's such, it's, she's the moment right now. And mm-hmm. um, like everyone is talking about it. So many new players are coming into the mix yep. and it's pretty easy right now to just start engaging with a fandom like it's just everywhere and so i just thought maybe i could take advantage of that energy and just try my best give it the old college try um (laughs) yeah and and yeah one of the early like again i'm like shaking i'm uh, my hands are already sweating and i haven't and it's just the opening scene of the game where i'm waking up in a dark dripping dungeon and i look and there are these glowing notes on the ground messages from other players and it's saying things like, good luck out there. Try your best. Like, welcome to Elden Ring. You're going to have so much fun. Um, just like, keep pushing. And and I don't know. There's something about that that I'm like, okay, you know, I'm not the only one who's like, <laughs> who's scared and has yeah. no experience with this. And for all of the, you know, this toxic folks in every fandom. And it's certainly true that, uh, you know, a lot of the discourse in the souls franchise is like, this is for real gamers. You've got to get good. And that's the game is that if if you can't take that, if you don't want to be punished relentlessly, then that's a personal failing. It's like, um, there's not really room for kind of like a diversity of experience in terms of how people approach the game in some areas of the fandom. But there's also a ton of people who are like taking time to leave notes along this beginner path, just saying like, oh my gosh, I'm another another gamer and I'm so happy you're here, which is like really cool to see. Um, So that kind of hardened my resolve early on um that said i'm st- i still haven't decided how i feel about it mm-hmm. um and so i'll pause there because i want to get back to you and have you finished telling us about what has hooked you and maybe i can talk about how i've been doing <laughs> yeah yeah okay um so i think i resonate with so much of what you're saying about kind of the there was I had so much resistance to even picking up this game. This is not the first from software game that I've tried. I've played very, very, very little Bloodborne to the point where I would say that I've played essentially no Bloodborne a few hours, which is really nothing in these yeah. these types of games. Um, was intrigued, but didn't like it. Just wasn't right for me at that moment, and so I moved on to something else. Um, and I, I had gotten that free through PlayStation Plus, so it wasn't like I I bought that. Um, the other 
from software game that I've tried is Sekiro Shadows Die Twice, which came out a few years ago. I want to say 2019, maybe. Um, and that one, I there was a lot of discourse happening around Sekiro about how at the time that was the most approachable of the FromSoft mm-hmm. games, and it was shaking up the mechanics in interesting ways. And there was a lot of recommendation that folks who maybe hadn't tried a, a FromSoft game before give it a shot. And I did give it a shot, and I actually I liked it quite a bit and put about hmm, 20 to 30 hours into it before I think something else came out and I just dropped off. Mm. And unfortunately, these aren't the kind of games that you can really put down and and come back to super easily. Like, or at least I, I didn't feel like I could do that with Sekiro. Um, Sekiro in particular, the combat is really based around parrying. Um, you have to kind of parry attacks and so then hard. you can get you can get a big hit in after. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think that, you know, after I stepped away from the combat for a couple months, trying to come back in the mid game was just not going to work out. But I mostly had a good time with the experience and I was like, OK, I can see the appeal. But also it was very stressful playing Sekiro for me. So I was like, I see the appeal, but I still don't know if these games are really for mm-hmm. me necessarily. So then Elden Ring came out and, you know, everyone was so hyped for Elden Ring before it came out. And then the reviews started hitting. And especially with the proximity to Horizon, I was Mm. suddenly uh, seeing another situation that really reminded me of the way Horizon and Breath of the Wild came out within a few weeks of each other back in 2017 when the first Horizon game came out. And I just immediately got kind of salty. It was like, okay, I love Horizon and I hate that it's once again getting overshadowed by mm. by a game that people are saying is one of the greatest games of all time, yeah. which is what people said about Breath of the Wild too. Like, here's Horizon, <laughs> which is like a really solid open world game. But I don't think anyone would say this is one of the greatest games of all time. I'm just saying like, this is a really great game, like a really great open world game. Maybe it's not the game of a generation, but like Mm. a great time. And then both times within a few weeks of its release, it's like, here you go. One of the greatest games ever made in the history of gaming. (laughs) Just bloop, just here you go. (laughs) That's just going to come out. So I was initially like really kind of salty. I was just Mm. like, really, uh, this is happening again. And I think I had, um, and, and I don't think this is my fault for having this perception because I think in particular, Twitter discourse really forwards this narrative of these games are impossibly hard and you've got to get good if you want to play these games. And if you don't want to get good, you know, even people like kind of being like, oh, you know, I understand that these games aren't for everyone. Not everyone wants to work this hard to achieve Uh. something. And like just making it sound like you're some sort of like piece of shit, lazy, lesser Mm -hmm. person, lesser gamer for not enjoying these games or not getting it there was so much uh you know so many reviews giving this game 10 out of 10 saying like it it couldn't possibly be better best thing of all time and yet at the same time hearing lots of people say like hey there here's kind of like these accessibility issues that this Mm -hmm. game doesn't uh live up to here's all the ways that like you know 50 percent of players are missing the tutorial Mm -hmm. but you know people throwing out things that that seem like real critiques for a for game design that's like yeah, I think it's a problem if 50% of your players are missing your tutorial, right? Mm-hmm. And and this whole discourse happening around it of like, well, people just don't understand these games and the game told you to go down the hole and why didn't you listen? And it's like, well, because I've never played one of these games before and there's a creepy ghost man saying go down the hole to like relive old war memories or some shit like that. How am I supposed to fucking know that's what that means, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, So it just... 
the whole conversation around it was really a turnoff for me. And I was just finding myself really fucking irritated by it because mm. there's like one group of folks that just want to scream that the game is perfect and should not change at all. And they won't hear a bad word about it. And anybody who has a critique of the game is just like a lazy, bad gamer who doesn't understand and they should just shut up mm-hmm. because games shouldn't be for everybody. Yes. And these folks who really want to gatekeep and and make from software games this exclusive experience that only they're allowed to have because they're some sort of gamer elite. That person exists. But what I've started to realize since allowing myself to play and enjoy Elden Ring is that there's a whole other contingent of folks playing these games and enjoying these games who are not going on Twitter and screaming about it, mm-hmm. who understand that these games are can be challenging um, and that part of the fun of the games is figuring out how to get through them in whatever way that works for you and that it's all equal. Hmm. <laughs> that it, it doesn't matter if you cheesed a fight by shooting the person with arrows through a doorway while they were stuck on a chair or something <laughs> in the room like that you still won the fight and that that's all valid. Um, and as I started to understand that there was this group of folks who were more interested in kind of encouraging each other through the game and, mm. and then hearing the comparisons to Skyrim, I was like, I, I don't know. I entered the game with very low expectations. Um, I think I, similar to you, I was listening to the conversations that they were having on Waypoint Radio. I was listening to the conversations they were having on Kind of Funny. Um, and I was hearing this this. Uh, comparison to Skyrim, which is a game that I absolutely loved. I played through the entire game twice, doing pretty much everything you could possibly do in the game. So probably at least 300 hours total between those two playthroughs as well. And I was just like, okay, I just want to try it out. Like, if it doesn't click, uh, then I'll then I'll put it down. You know? But yeah. people are saying this is one of the greatest games of our generation, and I feel like I owe it to just try it and not let this discourse completely turn me off and just try the game and see for myself. But I also knew going in that the game was going to be obscure. And I had heard folks saying like, Hey, if you want to use guides, just use guides, like just look shit up and Mm. read about it. And so I did, I downloaded the game and then I spent the first night that I installed the game. Like I spent three hours just reading shit (laughs) about the game. I read stuff on like, What's the what are the items that you want to get right at the beginning of the game? I read like where should you go right at the beginning of the game? I read all about the different classes and what's a good build and what's a powerful build and then thought about like how I wanted to personally play the game. In fantasy games I don't really like using magic, which is kind of a weird thing to say, but I just don't like I prefer to be kind of like a tough knight person. Mm-hmm. Um and so I read about how to make a build that would align with that and that would feel powerful and that would feel fun to play. And then I got into the game and I still, I'm I'm like 40 hours in now. I'm still looking up guides occasionally, but I've much more gotten to a place now where I'm kind of just free roaming, following what I believe the main path of the game is when I can, and sometimes just fucking off to just explore and, and try to find everything there is in an area. I'm having a lot of fucking fun with it. Um, What's different about the combat in this game versus a game like Hades, where dying over and over again for you at first was really frustrating and made you put down the game? Well, for one thing, I don't often feel like I'm dying over and over again in this game. Um, If I get myself into an area where that is what's happening, I will just leave that area and go do something else for a while wait until I've leveled up a few times or I've gotten a new toolkit or a new weapon or a new 
uh, they have these things called Ashes of War, which are like special abilities that you can attach to your weapon. I'll wait till I get something that changes the status quo before I come back. Mm. That's been a strategy I've employed multiple times now, mm. especially when it comes to kind of following what's quote unquote like the main narrative of the game. Um, that's where I seem to run up against the most, uh, where I seem to get myself into situations where it's suddenly like, oh no, like, I, like if I swing my sword and at an enemy and just a tiny sliver of their health comes off, that's a sign to me that I shouldn't, like, I'm not ready for this yet. <laughs> or if they swing their sword at me and I die in one hit or I almost die in one hit, I shouldn't be here yet. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. I can just go somewhere else. And this game lets you do that very easily. You know, with Hades, you're really on a set path. I, what I don't like in games is feeling like I'm repeating the same thing over and over again. Yeah. And I think for the most part, I won't say that this has not happened at all, but for the most part in Elden Ring, I have not felt like I'm being put in situations where I just have to continually beat my head against the same wall in the same way over and over again. Uh, the the one exception kind of being like, you know, the big boss fights, that's the big boss fight. If you want to beat the big boss, you got to beat the big boss. There's only a handful, though, of boss fights that are actually integral to the quote-unquote story of Elden mm. Ring. So you can kind of like decide if you want to do a boss fight or not. But if you are going to try to do a boss fight, that is the one time where it's like you you kind of have to learn the boss. And you're probably get those are the times where I'm dying the most, right? Yeah. Is with a boss fight. But so far in Elden Ring, they've been really generous about checkpointing with that. Like most of the time, the path to the boss has uh there's things called sites of graces. Sites of grace. Yeah, yeah, that would be the right way to say it. Places plural. of the Erd Tree that are glowing in the world, and exactly places where light converges. Mm-hmm. And they usually will have kind of a beam coming out of them that will kind of direct you towards the next point of interest. Right? They kind of look like a little campfire, but it just creates a like a checkpoint, a save point um, that you'll respawn from if you die. And there's also um, these things that are called. Stakes of America. Oh, the I statues. Think. Yeah. Statues. Yeah. They're little statues that exist um, before big fights. Uh, well, that's often where they're placed, is right before a big fight. And you can also choose to respawn from those if you'd like. And a lot of times those might be closer to the fight location than than the last site of grace uh, that you visited. So you, mm. you when you die you from a big fight like that, you often get a choice of which one you want to respawn from. So most of the time when I'm in a boss fight, I'm able to respawn at a point that I can pretty quickly get back into the fight. And that that is what helps prevent the frustration for me. I don't necessarily mind dying in a game. What I don't like is feeling like I'm losing a lot of progress. Mm. Right? Mm. And I understand, especially the way the boss fights in this game is set up, like, it's pretty rare that you're going to go into a boss fight and just beat the boss on the first time. Like, that's probably not going to happen. You're going to need a few times to kind of learn the boss's moveset, uh, figure out a strategy for approaching them, and then you'll probably finally take them down. So I'm not going into these fights expecting to beat them the first time. But Mm. if I died and then had to run through an entire dungeon to get back to them, that would be super frustrating. But that just hasn't been the case so far. I don't Mm. know if that's going to get worse as the game goes on, but so far the game has been super generous in that, that checkpointing and respawning options. And so... I do feel like I can focus on mastering the part that I want to get good at. What always frustrated me about Hades was that I felt like I would 
go through the shit that I'm already good at for a really long time to get to the thing that I'm bad at to then immediately die, not <laughs> learn anything and have to go do it all again. Mm. And that's that's where I get really frustrated. So it's not, it doesn't feel like a roguelite, which is what tends to chafe for me a lot more. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm going to say this with absolutely no judgment on on how you do things because uh, I just gonna it might sound that way. Okay. Um, my problem is that I think of myself as a very intuitive gamer. I don't mm-hmm. like my immersion to be broken, and I want to feel like I'm escaping my body and living in this world. And so, a side effect of that is that I don't like strategy guides. Um, it makes me feel like I'm not fully two things. One that makes me feel like I'm not able to fully submerge in the world because I keep coming back out to reference an external text. And secondly, it creates this feeling in me, like I'm playing someone else's version of the game and I'm not doing an experience that would be true to me and I'm the type of person I am. And I know that's starting to get into, this is how I, I, I connect emotionally very deeply with games. And so I want to have a unique and life-changing experience each time. And so I get in my head about like, well, so-and-so wrote this guy, that's how they want to play it. But like, is this me or am I just going through the motions? And so through that, I'm sure you can tell, I get very up in my head about what does it mean if I'm consulting a guide? Um, and so early on with Elden Ring, you know, it's like, I see my glorious notes. I make my adorable character. I feel it. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling happy. I'm feeling hopeful. I turn left and I immediately get smashed by this giant, uh, creature guy troll who's like chilling around a corner in one of the first areas of the game. And, um, I think too, I... I'm someone who, when I encounter something in a game, I feel like, okay, I've got to get through this in order to continue. This is what the game is putting in front of me, which means that I have to, I have to get good enough to fight this creature here or else anything stronger is going to decimate me. Like this is the only way. And I will say that stood in my way a lot. My first 10 hours of playing Elden Ring because, um, the world is not, it doesn't progressively get harder. It's just like, it's like the real world, I guess, where some sometimes there's something crazy around the corner and you just don't know until you get there. Like there's no, there's no building up to a really difficult um, um, battle. It's like you just might encounter it. And, and, and if you keep moving, um, you might not. And so um, something that Jamie said to me the other day that you said, I'm talking to you right now, something that you said to me the other day <laughs> um, was, you know, this game encourages you to run if you're not ready for a fight. And the concept of running inherently to me feels like failure. It was hard Mm. for me to kind of wrap my head around, oh, you should run. And it's like a good thing. Like you're actually doing what the game is asking. And uh, an example of that is, um, so somewhat early on in the game, you meet a person named Melina. I think her name is the the maiden who helps Mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. Um, So she's someone who... um, 
basically is rooting you on and <laughs> partners with you and allows she uh, allows you to level up and she can she gives you helpful advice things like that and one of the things she gives you is a horse named Torrent who is a really cool horse with horns a spectral steed spectral steed yeah he can double jump which I love <laughs> yes and um, and like have you found one of the big wind tunnel things that you can God, just no. can you jump up so there's these things oh around the world that are. They almost look like, yeah, it looks like kind of like a weird wind tunnel. But mm. if you go into it with Torrent and you hit jump, he will basically like go thousands of feet into oh, the air my God. and like land safely on like a cliff top. Yay! <laughs> I love that. I love it's that he cool. doesn't die like when you jump from high distances. It, it depends on how high, but most oh. of the time, yeah, <laughs> he, he can, he can and he will, but, oh, no. <laughs> but he can, he can go pretty far. He can fall pretty far without taking damage. Yeah. yeah but he was like an instant comfort to me. Mm-hmm. But um, something that I read and then later internalized was like, so she gives you this horse. She's like right before this giant gate. She's like, here's this spectral steed. You can summon him and he goes really fast and he jumps and he's awesome. And right after that, if you continue through the gate, all of a sudden, all these sh- soldiers start shooting arrows at you and a giant troll smashes through the gate and starts attacking you. At this point, uh, this is like, I don't know, 30 minutes into the game. So like most people are probably still at at, at or around an entry level. Um, and I immediately was killed and I was, and I did it like three more times. And I was just like, this is the only way forward. I'm, I suck. I can't, these enemies are all too strong. There's something wrong with me. I'm not playing this game right. I'm not cut out for this. And then I read this piece where someone was talking about how there's a reason that Melina gives you that horse right before that gate. She gives you the horse because the game is hinting to you that you should get on the horse immediately and just speed through the tunnel, avoiding the archers, running right past the troll, and they're gone. They're behind you and you're in the rest of the world. And when I did that, I was like, oh, maybe (laughs) this game isn't just trying to punish me. Maybe it also is saying, like you said, Jamie, like. hey, if you're not ready for a challenge, it's okay. Like, you should play this game in the way that makes sense for you. And there might be enemies that are too strong. And so you just come back later. (laughs) (laughs) So embracing the art of running away completely transformed my experience with the game. I picked it up again last night after shaking and crying for two days after my first experience Aww. playing it. I'm just kidding, but not really. <laughs> um, and I, you know, I tried to approach it from that headspace of like, if I run, I run this. Like I have to keep reminding myself. There's no, there's no like items to make sure you collect or areas that you have to make sure that you hit in order to unlock some other quest line or like, it's just, it's just an open world for you to explore and also there are things that want to kill you and are scary but the game gives you the space and time to meet those challenges um when you're ready um so i'm i think i'm starting to appreciate it um but it's still it's still nerve-wracking for me even though i'm running around on my horse and i'm able to blow past certain things like i'm still having this feeling of like okay you're going to have to fight someone eventually if you want <laughs> to level up so it's yeah it's it's slow going but i think i'm growing i think i'm starting to get it um 
what do you think makes this one of the greatest games of all time? I think that's still the place where I'm like, okay, I understand the openness. I understand that there's um, like, like this kind of combat system is rewarding for some people. Like what makes it, what made it immediately like 10 out of 10 greatest game of all time? Like, like, what do you think that is? Like, why do you think it's, I, yeah, I've, I'm not, I'm not sure I'm the best person to ask because I don't, I don't necessarily know if I agree with that, but I think what is so alluring about the game is something that you're kind of touching. It, it defies almost all of the tenets mm. of game design and development that mm. I think a lot of AAA games have cultivated and honed and possibly even perfected over the last, I don't know, however long we've been doing open world games. It takes so much of what we have decided is good game design and kind of very, uh, it just thumbs its nose at it and says, no, we're going to do something different. And I think the fact that they've done that and that it can still be super enjoyable to play is just like endlessly fascinating. I wouldn't want every game to be this. And if every game was, I don't think this would be anywhere near as special or as, I don't know if it would be as lauded. Like if every game was designed this way, I don't know that Elden Ring would stand out. But I think what FromSoft does is so unique and so against the grain of what we've decided is good modern game development that I think, yeah, I don't know. I don't, because I, I, I think it's, I think it's not necessarily, like, I don't, I still don't know if it's necessarily good game design. It's certainly very designed, it's very intentional design. I don't know if I can qualify it necessarily because I do think it's something that's really, and, and again, I, I and even saying this, I don't know if this is something that we should be deciding is how we determine if a game is good or bad, but I don't think it's a game that you can very easily get through without any help at all. And But I also think the game recognizes that and it's why things like the messages, why the whole like online experience of the game exists, right? Like they understand that you, will need help from other people and they actually build that into the game in some fashion. So it all feels super intentional. Um I I wish I knew understood exactly what was alluring about that. There's so, there's some aspect of feeling like I am like there's always going to be something around the next corner and that perpetual mystery of not knowing what it is is definitely alluring. And there's also something in the way this game is like withholding about itself and intentionally like there's been so many times I've gone through a dungeon and I don't like the thing that I get for it is probably not worth the time investment or the effort to take it. And yet I still feel a sense of success at having gotten through it. I'm not sure exactly how they managed to do that because I can think of so many quests in so many other games where I put in a ton of effort and then get something that's does is like kind of worthless. And then I feel like my time has been wasted. But then in this game, 
I can spend a lot of time working to get a resource that I don't ultimately need. And I don't feel like my time is wasted. Hmm. And I think some of that is there is still, and for me, the, the combat is working for me in the sense that there is a sense of accomplishment that comes from working your way through something that challenging even when it's not, even when it doesn't feel challenging in the moment. But the fact of the matter is that at any point in this game, nearly any enemy type could kill you with relative ease. Yeah. Even, even at 40 plus hours into the game, even I'm like level 60, there are enemies that, you know, if, if I encountered more than two rats, (laughs) At a time, <laughs> there's like these big rats in the game. They're like relatively easy enemies. But if I encountered more than two of them in just the right sized area at just the right moment, mm. they could kill me. Mm. It's that level of, of danger so that even when I'm taking out, quote unquote, easy, low level enemies that I might be able to one or two hit, there's still a feeling of they are dangerous and I'm overcoming it that I think really contributes to that feeling of just feeling like you're steadily mastering something. Mm. But then even when I don't master it, when I, when I cheese it or when I, I don't know, there is a feeling of accomplishment that comes from playing this game that I think few games are able to tap into. And it's giving you a sense of accomplishment that is not hinging on the, the trophy popping in the corner. That's not hinging on the item that you're finding in the chest or the next piece of armor and you, f- I find cool things in this game all the time, and that's very exciting. But that's not what my sense of accomplishment is hinging on. It's hinging on feeling like I've I've done something by getting through a thing, even if I did it in an unconventional way. Uh, you feel like you're kind of figuring it out on your own and finding your own way through it. And I I don't know exactly what all the different little design pieces that they've put together to give that feeling is, but I finally understand that that's what people are tapping into with these games. Yeah, that, that resonates. Um, There's this, I think just because of all of this, of the souls franchise's history and all that, all of the ceremony and, and circumstance around it, where it, it is known to be impenetrable or like, um, you know, filled with lore that's also deeply mysterious and withholding um, that really honestly engaging with any aspect of it successfully feels like a win. Like when I learned how to assign items from my inventory to my pouch and understood (laughs) how they worked and what they did, um, that was a win. Like I was like, yes, (laughs) I've cracked the code. Uh, Like even down to Like the items in your inventory, it won't say like, this is a health potion. It will Mm -hmm. say, this is the chalice of crimson (laughs) tears. And it was forged when this maiden cried into a cursed lake. (laughs) Oh, and by the way, it will replenish your HP. (laughs) And so it's like every aspect of it down to the items down to even in some ways under for me understanding leveling up and and how the stats work together like anytime any piece of that clicks i feel like i've achieved something Mm -hmm. and um 
And, and I think the fact that it does feel like this legendary tome that I'm dusting off and r- rifling through, which just to look into my inventory and understand my items, mm-hmm. um, like it adds to this feeling of discovery. Like, like I, I think I'm used to, oh, a menu is something I don't even have to think about in a game. Like it's just, there's a lot of standardized patterns and styles. We all have user experience tenants that we have subconsciously internalized and a lot of apps will follow the same behavior because that's a rule of intuitive design. Design should be invisible. Dark Souls says, actually, design should be very visible and <laughs> and navigating the designs of our UI should feel just as much uh, a part of the uniqueness of this game as anything else. Like it's inherently its own. And even that is sort of learning the language of the game, just interacting Mm -hmm. with the menus. And Mm -hmm. I think I typically would be very frustrated with that. I would be like, well, that's just bad UX. Like Mm -hmm. um, why are you making it unnecessarily challenging for someone just to access the item and, access the menu and pick up an item or use an item but it's like that's part of the feeling of immersing yourself in the game like you're fully in this world and you're playing by its rules and to get better and grow you need to adapt and understand it and be open to to learning something completely new um which i can i'm starting to see how that how that's actually kind of (laughs) cool And I think um, I wanted to circle back. We need to wrap this conversation up and get to our interview. And I'm sure we're going to talk about Elden Ring again in the future. But circling back on that point to the the usage of of guides and and online materials to supplement the Mm -hmm. understanding of the game, I think think the game, again, because of the way it brings in the online elements and the comments and kind of incurred, like, is so intentionally obtuse. I think it understands that people are going to have conversations outside of the game about the game and help each other understand. And I think I kind of, I've, so my partner started playing the game about a week after I did too. And there is something so rewarding too about being someone who is just a little bit further ahead in the game or who has understood an xyz thing and being able to help another person through that in some way uh it that's and i feel like that's part of it too part of the experience is also being able to talk to someone else and help each other figure out how a thing worked and so you know when you were talking about the the use of the guides and not wanting to copy someone else's experience of for one thing, I just wanted to clarify that I'm not using guides that are saying like, go here and then go here and then go here and then go here. I'm more like I open something in my inventory and I'm like, I have no idea what this is or how it's supposed to be used. And I might fiddle with it for a little bit, but then I have no qualms about just Googling like, what does glove work yeah. do? <laughs> and getting a sense of what it does and then trying to piece that together. So that's more like how I'm using walkthrough and guide text. And I think because I don't, uh, have an existing community around me in person that is playing the game that we can bounce those ideas off of. I think the internet provides this huge space where you can have those conversations and look to people for answers. And I think the game actually encourages that if you're if you're mm-hmm. open to doing it. And for me, at least, it, it hasn't lessened the experience anyway. There's plenty of things I figured out on my own, and there's plenty of things I've gone to a guide for. Um, and I think that's all kind of fair game as far as this game's concerned, because again, I do really think that it emphasizes this idea of do it in whatever way works for you and is going to be enjoyable. And I know I would much rather 
uh, there's just times where I'd rather figure the thing out quickly or like learn from someone else than struggle in my own ignorance. And so I think the game is challenging a lot of notions that I've maybe had about who I am as a gamer mm. too. And like asking me to be okay with the idea that, uh, that failure, that dying, that running away, that looking something up, that asking for help, that all of that's really okay. Um, and it doesn't make me less of a person or less of a gamer. And it also doesn't lessen my enjoyment or my sense of accomplishment mm. when I achieve a thing. So I don't know this, this game, you know, for us being pixel therapy, this game has like been feeling like therapy <laughs> lately in a really interesting way. That's fascinating. Um, I love that you say that too, because I was reading, um, there's an interview with Hidetaka Miyazaki uh, in The New Yorker that came out near the end of February. Um, as Jamie mentioned, he's the creator and basically like creative director of Dark Souls, yep. the Souls yep. series. Um, and he specifically talks about how he he loves sparking players' imaginations in the game through through its obscurity, through giving items like interesting descriptions. And he loves seeing how users, players of the game, are communicating with each other and creating their own interpretation, sharing techniques. Um, he specifically says like that it's something that he enjoys seeing unfold with their games and that has continued to influence his work. And so just this idea that um, you like completely independently came to this conclusion of like, I love this aspect of how the game encourages the community playing it to share with each other, to help support each other, to learn from each other. And that that was like by design, like that is great design. Cause like, it's just, part of the experience of the game mm -hmm. that naturally occurs. Um, there was a quote that I would love to read um, from Hidetaka that I thought was really cool. And I think something to think about, I mean, <laughs> I'm sure many people may have heard this already if, if uh, you have been reading any news around Elden Ring. Um, but in this same interview with the New Yorker, he says, when I'm playing these games, I think, this is the way I'd want to die in a way that is amusing or interesting, or that creates a story that I can share death and rebirth, trying and overcoming. We want that cycle to be enjoyable in life. Death is a horrible thing in play. It can be something else. Mm. Wow. That's very cool. Well, Spencer, I'm excited to continue to chat about our Elden Ring journeys. Yeah. as the weeks go on. Uh, but for now, I think we should transition over to our interview. Let's do it. All right. Today, we're talking to Rokashi, a video game maker and writer currently working on the official HBO show tie-in game Insecure, The Come Up, and separately developing their own game, Far Away, Fairway, for the soon-to-be-released Playdate console. We had such a chill, fun time chatting with Rokashi about everything from Netflix moving into the game market, the raw brilliance of Twine games, bringing mental health conversations into games and gaming, and their take on what they refer to as Sonic's speed culture as an example of paying your success forward and sharing the limelight with the folks that helped you get where you are. Rakashi told us they want to see the mainstream concept of a gamer shift to highlighting the creative, supportive folks who are already here building community around games. And honestly, we couldn't agree more. <laughs> so without further ado, here's our interview with Rakashi. 
to our wonderful guest, and thank you so much for joining us in the virtual pixel therapy studio. To start, can you share your name and your pronouns? Uh, so my name is Rokashi, and my pronouns are they, them. Awesome. And Rokashi, how do you spend your time? Oh, boy. (laughs) 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 Um, I do so many things, honestly. Um, I guess, like, for, to start, most of what I do is, um, working with, uh, Glow Up Games on uh h uh oh my god hbo's uh insecure the come up game mm-hmm. so that's kind of like what i do for like my main job sort of deal um and then i do have my own like personal projects and that's when i work on far away fairway which is going to be coming out on the play date Mm-hmm. And everything, yeah, yeah, I know. And <laughs> <laughs> everything other than that is me just watching movies because <laughs> I just love movies so much. So, oh my gosh, <laughs> same. And Rakashi, what's your story around how you came to work in video games? Oh man, uh, so it, it's really interesting because I originally went to uh, school for journalism, mm. which is just like. Okay. <laughs> Completely unrelated. Cool. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, something like that. Um yeah, that was oh my god, when did I start? I think it was like 2008, 2000 to 2012 is when mm-hmm. I graduated. And I was like a lot like a, a lot of the times like during um like school or even like summer there'd be a lot of like events cuz I live in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Um and there'd be a lot of events from like Nintendo um mm-hmm. microsoft and those sort of like like kind of like press events i don't know how the hell i got like invited to those like i, I think <laughs> i just like showed up and i was just like i have to do stuff here um so i would like cover a lot of like those events and i started covering a lot of like local stuff in toronto as well so a lot of like independent creators working on games mm-hmm. and then i was invited to um do a game jam and i did the game jam uh, even though I was just like, oh, I'm just like, I'm just a writer. What can I do at a game jam? Yeah. Uh, little, little did I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I took part and I made my first game and people really liked it. And it was like, sh- like showed up in like novels and stuff as like mm. examples of like narrative design, which is completely wild to me. Like, it, I, like it's still very weird, like a very weird thing. You're not going to name drop? <laughs> <laughs> so like my my first game was called uh I'm fine and it was originally built in twine. Mm. Uh that's what I made it in. And then later on uh um it got ported to Flash uh and then that's when I showcased it at like Indiecade and like GamerX and those sort of like events. Mm. And now I work in the games industry, <laughs> which is like so funny to me. Um, That's yeah. amazing. Like you mentioned, you know, you were a writer showing up at a game jam. I had no idea how you'd be able to contribute. I mean, tell us like more if, if you if you're comfortable, like what did that look like? How did you figure out what you could do? And, and, and what did you end up, uh, you know, tell us more about how you use Twine? Yeah, um, <laughs> it's it's <laughs> I like it's. It, oh. It's such a funny thing because, like, whenever I played, like, games, like, you know, like, AAA games and stuff like that, I was always the kind of person who's, like, very interested into the stories that they tell. And I'm just like, 
oh, that's so cool, but I'm in journalism, so <laughs> there's no, there's no, like, you know, there's, like, no, no connection between the two, but I learned that, you know, in terms of, like, journalism, like, you're still, like, even reporting is, like, telling a story mm-hmm. in, in a way, so I've kind of, like, took that sort of, like, inspiration of, like, reporting on, you know, things in the community to talking about games and how games made me feel and stuff like Mm. that and um for i'm fine it was more of you know like i like what i really like is just talking about like mental health yeah so i created i'm fine with mental health in mind and people really liked it and i was just like ah okay I think I, I think I got the hang of this ge- this video game making thing, <laughs> um, and that's why I, I sort of like continued onto it. And yeah, <laughs> now here I am, still yeah. doing it, still making games about mental health, um, and just like you know, learning new things as I go. Awesome, Rakashi. You mentioned working with Glow Up Games, working on Insecure, the Come Up, um, a mobile game based on Issa Rae's HBO show, where players live their lives in LA cultivate their crew and nurture their closest friends. Um, what does a sort of day in the life at glow up games look like for you? Um, a lot of the times, uh, there's a lot happening. Cause like, it's still like, since it came out in early access, we're adding like a lot of like, um, additional content and stuff that mm. I can't really talk about, but yeah. what I can talk <laughs> about, um, is that, you know, like we have like our writer's room and we have like, you know, like a general idea of, where we want the story to go Mm. because um as you probably already know like the the tv show uh insecure is unfortunately over but Mm. the good thing is that um with the game that we're creating um with the come up game it's more of a season six starring you so starring like the player (laughs) um so we're kind of like crafting you know what's already been established in the tv shows and extending it into a playable setting Mm -hmm. so like you know you have like Issa Rae and you have like molly and like all those characters Mm -hmm. um and we're just like extending them and their personalities into the game where people could engage with them like literally engage with them because like you know when when you're just watching tv you're just like Mm -hmm. oh you're just watching things happen but since it's like more of an interactive setting um you have more choices to make um you could piss her off yeah <laughs> you, can, you can make her happy like like those <laughs> sort of things and it's been really interesting to just like you know talk with other writers and like uh establish like how we want to have the player move forward that's really cool like what do you think is like just hearing you talk about that how it's extending the it's almost bringing to life these characters off screen in a way that the player, like the fourth wall separating the player from the world on screen is kind of like taken down a little bit. And now they get to like enter the world of the show. Mm. Um, Like, I'm just wondering like about your thoughts on what is so, what is unique about working on a game that brings an existing fandom, like to an entirely new platform. Yeah. That's something I'm, like, still kind of exploring because this is actually the first, like, mobile game I've mm. ever worked on. Um, so it's been, like, a very interesting process um, trying to, you know, put two and two together of, like, oh, okay, well, 
you know, there's certain characters who didn't necessarily get a lot of screen time. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, you kind of like pick of like, um, like their interests and stuff like that and kind of like piece together like, oh, this is the kind of thing that they would be into or this is the kind of thing that they would say in this certain hmm. situation. Um, and you kind of like move forward with that. And, you know, we have like testing and stuff like that as well. But I think it's really, I think it's really fun because even if the show is not on anymore, mm-hmm. the characters still live on and they can still, you know, have their own personalities and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And people can interact with them, but it, I don't know. It's just like, it's such a very weird feeling. Cause you never like you, ex- you just expect like these characters to just like disappear. Yeah. And then you're just like, no, but they're back. And they're, te- <laughs> and they're telling you to do things. And, <laughs> and you're like, you don't have to do that, these things, but um, I don't know. It would be fun if you do it. And it's like, you might as well. Right. Because like those characters, um, like they're there for you, like especially right. for you, and like anything you choose um will re- have like a reaction of them, so um, it's been a lot of fun, and yeah. honestly, I can't even wait to to see like where <laughs> where these characters go next, so <laughs> that's awesome, it's fascinating because it's true, like through watching a show for five years um you you know you form relationships with these characters exactly thinking about them at night before you go to bed you're (laughs) wondering what they'd be up to you know now that the show at least if you're me you're like wondering oh i wonder what they would be doing now or what their life what their life looks like uh as my imagination runs away with it you read fan fiction about them it's like you know um having this give and take this interactivity where like you said they're telling you to do things they're actually <laughs> responding and being yeah. part of your life um it's just like a really cool new dimension to kind of sustain the life of content that um as you said maybe is has ended in one way um in in general just you mentioned this is your first mobile game that you're working on um and i'm just curious like i it just feels like mobile games are really ushering in a new era of like uh, making gaming more uh, accessible than ever mm. before for a lot of people. I yeah. think the Playdate kind of does some of that too, which I'll, I'll get to in a minute. But um, I'm just curious, like, I even saw the other day, I opened my Netflix app on my phone because I wanted to watch, like, a K-drama in the bath. And I just saw that Netflix has this new section um, with games. Like, it's- Yeah. <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah, oh, I have I have so many things to say about that. It, it's yes, it's yeah. like it's like oh my god! I don't even know where to start because <laughs> like like when someone's like, "Hey, do you want to like go like play Netflix?" and you're just like, "Yeah," <laughs> like what do you want to watch? And they're like, "No, I want to play <laughs> video games." Like what? Like, like you know what I mean? It's like it's not. It's it's such a alien thing to me where mm-hmm. it's just like like i get a lot of companies like want to try a new thing and be like oh well we see the number of people playing games and we have a lot of people watching tv so mm-hmm. maybe they'll like translate to a lot of people playing games <laughs> right. on our platform but i don't know it, there's there's still such a disconnect mm-hmm. like it because like I read the other day that Netflix is working on a first person shooter, and I was like, "What? What, do you mean? what does that even mean?" Right. Like, oh my god! <laughs> like, like, and it, it's one of those things where it's not. It doesn't. I'm not 
100% sure, but it didn't mention it was like uh, a game that's based on any of their TV shows. Like, it's something mm. like brand new. Yeah. So I was just like, is that just going to be like a game or is it going to be a game? And then they have already, ha- they're already working on a TV show uh, to mm. make it, you, co- you know what I mean? Like, so yeah. like vice versa. So right. people will see the game, play it, mm-hmm. assuming they want to play a game on Netflix. And then the <laughs> TV show comes out and then they're like, oh, that makes so many, like that makes so much sense. Right. But like, I don't know. It's, it's so weird. Like, why? And then, and then they raise the prices. Like, mm-hmm. like, like, <laughs> I'm like, am I paying for this game? <laughs> right. Like, I, guess I don't you know. Are. <laughs> <laughs> We're funding the Netflix indie studio. Apparently. Oh my god, that's that's such a weird thought. Oh my, it's like so it just it just hit me like how much of like a weird thing that is. Like, it's yeah i don't know (laughs) like okay here's my thing it's like really right now it's so relegated to the phone or i suppose to if you ask if they have some way of noticing that you're accessing netflix from a computer browser Mm. but like i pull up the netflix app on my smart tv and so unless they're shipping out controllers red controllers (laughs) oh my god then like i don't know how like i see this as mainly being tied to mobile to start But Mm. what you're saying that's so interesting, too, is like, I could see, you know, I'm someone who spends 30 minutes just scrolling Netflix and not watching anything because I just can't (laughs) bear to pick the wrong thing or I need, I have a very specific itch that needs to be scratched and nothing there is able to scratch it. And so like, I could absolutely see myself stumbling into a game and then you know, if I really like the game and I end up spending dozens of hours with it, and then a few months later, Netflix is like, oh, by the way, we made a show with the characters of that game in it. I don't know. I could just see. Yeah. It's like, and then I'm spending all my time on Netflix. Is Netflix a new Game Pass? <laughs> yeah, seriously. I wouldn't be surprised. But, but well, I mean, Game Pass is cheaper. <laughs> but, <laughs> but like, yeah, I do, I do see what you mean. Trying to like make this own, like their own sort of like, like ecosystem yeah because like i get it if i'm playing a game because like for example uh you could say uh with the uncharted Mm. movie Mm. like that game was already like wait like uncharted like one through four on like playstation Mm -hmm. and then the movie came out and people are just like I might as well just watch the movie. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. And I think that's yes. what they're, I think that's kind of like what they're hoping for <laughs> where they're, when they have like this game that they just came up with out of nowhere. Mm. And then they're like, okay, so we we're looking at the stats, like a million people played this game. Mm. And now we have like this limited series based on that game coming out. And if mm. I see that, I'm like, fine it's only like five episodes i'll watch it and <laughs> yes. that 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 like that is what they're like that's what they want because i'm i'm engaging with something that they created based mm-hmm. off another um they're like they're, they're mm-hmm. just like they're basically just like hoping that i just spend more time on netflix mm-hmm. based on mm-hmm. the various kinds of content that they put out 
And it's just like, oh my God. <laughs> it's so much. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Like, on one hand, I'm like, you know, I'm someone who would never play League of Legends, but seeing something like Arcane on Netflix, beautifully animated, interesting story, very dynamic. I could absolutely, I haven't really watched more than the first episode yet, but mm. I, but the point is that like, that's there. I'm interested in it. It's more in my lane. And now I know a little bit more about League of Legends and perhaps might play it. Like, I'm I'm not going to play it personally, but yeah. I could see that someone, <laughs> like someone sort of stumbling in uh, and, and no other context would they have ever learned anything about League of Legends or known anything yeah. about gaming. But through that, there's there's a connection. So that is interesting to me. On the other hand, the part of me that's like, so depressed at um, the way that TV shows now are not even given a chance to breathe because if the first season does not do incredibly well, then there's yeah. no one willing to invest in letting them grow into themselves and like develop into the great shows that they could be. Um, like, I mean, and so and that's frustrating. Like, yeah, it is. And then to see like with this, it makes, it scares me to think that like, uh, you know, the sort of, Ouroboros of games into movies, into TV shows, into games, like having these, you know, oh, we already have, like you said, a million people playing this game. So we basically have a guaranteed audience for this show. Just scares mm. me to think it feels like it could further limit creativity and only give us more of the same. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's, I don't, I don't know what's happening on like that side of like the industry. Like it's very yeah. confusing to me. Yeah. Um, instead of having, uh netflix like have their own sort of like games mm. like maybe it would be better if um they sort of be like a publisher mm. of sorts and then like get like you know independent uh studios or maybe triple a studios and be like do you want to make a game based off of like tv shows yeah like maybe something like that but like netflix being like we're doing our own in-house mm-hmm. it's very confusing and i'm very interested <laughs> on seeing how that goes but. yeah i'm breaking out the popcorn <laughs> yeah but for now i think <laughs> yeah I, I don't know i think i think i'll stick to <laughs> just like separating those two for now yeah so I'll just yeah. Uh, play games on one service and then <laughs> netflix for just tv <laughs> please i'm a family man i keep my gaming and my and yeah, my exactly. tv content separate <laughs> yeah. like how dare you think i want to want both of those together no <laughs> yeah it's interesting So speaking of like bringing gaming into different platforms, making them more accessible to different types of people, um, you alluded to already um, the Playdate, which is a really cool little handheld gaming device um, from Panic, the same publisher behind Firewatch, Untitled Goose Game, and other like beloved indie titles. Um, The Playdate is like this, it's like a little Game Boy with a black and white one bit screen and it even has this like little crank on the side in lieu of a joystick which introduces some really interesting new possibilities for game mechanics um and rakashi you mentioned that um you're working on a game it's called far Far away fairway for the play date yes um i'd love it if you could tell us more about far away fairway um and how you what inspired you to make a game for the play date um well i guess from the beginning 
um, when I saw the Playdate um, was, like, launching, and they're like, we're making this thing. Yeah. And I'm just like, whoa, I love bright yellow. It's such a... <laughs> <laughs> it's so happy. <laughs> yeah, it's such, like, a pleasant thing to, like, look at. I was just like, whoa, this is so cool. Um... And eventually, I was sent. Uh, I was sent one, and mm. I was just like, I kind of already un- or like I already knew like the kind of game I wanted to make. Mm. Um, because like I always daydream about like the kinds of games that I would probably make mm. for such an interesting little console. Yeah, and I settled on a golf game, <laughs> which is very <laughs> very interesting because if someone was like. Hey Rikaji, do you even know how to play golf? And I'd be like, mm, no, I don't, and like I don't care to learn. Like it's not my problem. Um, but the thing is, like, it's it's this, the game is sort of like my own interpretation of whatever golf can be, mm. not exactly what it is, mm. and like it doesn't have like any rule sets of like, um, like birdie or anything like that, like or par or anything like that. It's more of a game where. You know, you have like a spare moment. You could just pick it up, mm-hmm. play some games, like play some like games, um, and it's just like set it down. Mm. Um, but Faraway Fairway on its own is a <laughs> it's an arcade procedurally generated adventure mental health golf game. Oh my gosh. I love and, all of the words you're yeah, saying. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm just gonna stuff everything in there. Um <laughs> So essentially what the game is uh you play through a set of levels mm. and there's a lot of like different things um happening so like you play it's it's basically a paradise so you're mm. like a golf ball and then you travel uh through the beak of a bird onto an island and then you move your way through the island to uh the hole <coughs> and yeah <laughs> it's like it's very it's very simple but mm. there's a lot of things that are happening um as you go like there's like different weather patterns mm. uh uh times of day and if you interact with a very uh special thing something special will happen love that and uh you'll be greeted to uh, a short story mm. uh, that i've written that um it's kind of like in conjunction of whatever that item is and mm. how it relates to mental health mm. healing and how um, it could be interpreted by uh, you, uh, someone else or someone else like looking in mm. to, you know, a, sp- a certain like situation. Mm. So it's not, it's not like too heavy. It's still meant to be like a very chill game, yeah. but I want people to empathize more with like uh mental health and everything that surrounds it mm. and i think i found a very interesting uh balance yeah. and i'm just like really happy <laughs> like i don't know like <laughs> like when i first got like it running i was just, like crying i was like oh my mm. god it's, it's real you know like, yeah you brought it to life yeah it, it's interesting because like um I, I don't know there's just like something about like designing something mm. and then seeing it in action and you're just like whoa like what the hell like something like I things are happening <laughs> there's something on the screen that's moving you know what i mean it's like, there's yes. like a lot of like 
like positive energy around that and i love it so much and i can't wait for for everyone to get their play date and then uh uh when by the time it's done um i don't even know when it'll be done it'll be done soon it's almost done but so, like i just want everyone to play it and just like have a good time and it's yeah. like it's not even a game that you're supposed to just like like you can't speed r- like so here's here's my way of like how i see it mm-hmm. when if you're on a trip through you know self-healing mental health taking care of yourself you don't want to rush that and i don't mm. i i kind of like make that reflect in the gameplay as well it's not something you rush through um that's why i was just like no there's no timers no mm. no blockers of any sort like if you're on if you're you know learning about yourself you know like your your history your background anything about yourself and while moving forward you want to take your time and you would want to take your time on a vacation as well so mm. I want I want everyone to just like chill. <laughs> like please don't please don't rush through, you know, self-healing or anything like that. Um and yeah, I, I kind of like want make that reflect in the gameplay and I just want everyone to have a good time. <laughs> Healing like golf is not linear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. It, it just like makes me like really happy. It's just like I don't know, it's just it's just wild that it's just like a thing. And people are just like, yeah, I'm excited for the play. Like, I don't know, like, there are these people, like, in my mentions, and they're like, I can't wait for a faraway fair. I'm like, who are you? It's <laughs> 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 like, where, where did you come from? <laughs> What's going on? Absolutely. Um, and it's just, like, a really good feeling. It's just like, wow. Because, like, I've never, like, I've, like, it, it was a little bit different because with I'm Fine, it was very, like, because it was made in Twine, mm. and Twi- like Twine is HTML, mm-hmm. so it could literally play on any browser. Mm. Um, but this is like the first time uh, I've like you know like designed something for made a console exclusive. Yeah, like <laughs> who? Like how dare I? Like you know what I mean? Like you, <laughs> like who am I? Like I, I don't know. It, I've, I just feel like I'm just such a different person. Like doing all these things with people and like um creating you know this game this experience on a brand new console mm-hmm. and i'm just like whoa <laughs> it's, it's just like it really hits you sometimes it's, and it's just it's just a lot of fun because a lot of people have been supporting me so it's amazing yeah i'm just like really excited <laughs> and what if someone came up to you and was like why should i play the play date like who do you think the playdate is for and why should people try it? Well, I've seen a lot of comments from, from people online mm-hmm. about the playdate. Um, Cause they're like, Oh, it's just like an emulator. And it's just like, no, mm-hmm. like there's a lot of like very, you know, creative, um, independent, uh you know designers programmers um you know making games for the playdate and yeah especially like a lot of like marginalized people as well mm. um and i just want to hear and play those kind of stories on like this platform because yeah. it they've made it um very accessible for people to 
uh, even make games with uh, Pulp, mm. just sort of like a browser-based sort of uh, game engine. And you could just like make, you know, like you know, like small pixel art, mm-hmm. uh, make your own like little video game, and you could just easily just port it to the play date. That's and it's just like anyone can make a game. Yeah, if it, yeah, exactly. And it's like it's very accessible. So I don't know, like, why would you not want <laughs> a lot, like, more people who are interested in games or, you know, games adjacent people, uh, you know, creating these kind of experiences that could be very new and unique for this console and, you know, just put it out there into the world. I think that's so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of like why I got involved because I was just like, this is like pretty inspiring. Um, because really I'm cool. one of those people. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I was just like, um, what do I have to offer um, the play date? And uh, clearly, <laughs> clearly <laughs> a lot. So um, I'm just, I, I just want more people, especially people who, you know, come from like very like diverse backgrounds and have like very unique experiences. And if like, if you could turn that experience into a game, Mm. where you could educate people and mm. make them learn something new about you about a certain situation or any sort of like culture mm. i like i why would i, I would, like why would i not support that like mm-hmm. that's what i want I, that's what i want in games and i wanted to see people thrive with that mm. sort of like power mm-hmm. it's interesting too like i'm thinking about um there's this phone that exists and it's basically like it almost looks like a kindle it's like really flat and it only has like one button and it's basically like you can make calls and you can message but there's no internet there's no uh apps there's no i mean it's (laughs) it's basically (laughs) just like a phone from the 90s but smaller and flatter and it looks (laughs) like a piece of paper and um, it's like for people who are just super overconnected and overwhelmed um, Mm. to just have the function, but not worry so much about the constant information overload. Okay. And um, when you're looking at the play date, um, I feel like it could also be interesting for someone who wants to interact with games, but maybe is taking a break from the internet or is Mm. doing like a technology detox or just uh, wants to limit their interactions with computers in general. Um, uh, Maybe they are someone who's like logged on all the time for work. And when they're in their off time, they don't want to have to worry about notifications coming in. They don't want to worry about distractions. Um, They just want to do some brain smoothing (laughs) fun games. Um, I could see this kind of thing because it is like a physical device um, and it's so interactive like with the buttons and the crank and um and because the games themselves um i forgot to mention uh the something else really cool about the play date is it's basically like a kind of like a subscription um service where uh like five new games are released every so and so weeks or months and yeah. essentially when you're turning on your play date you might have like new games in your library to try um and so it's always fresh it's always new um and I don't know, I could I could see it being cool for those types of folks, too, who might want to engage with games but feel overwhelmed by uh, the options available right now. Yeah, it's I, I like there's a lot of people who like sort of overlook that part. Mm. Um, so if you like for anyone who's like purchased or well, pre-ordered a play date, 
um, you get 24 games magically mm. just beamed down to your device. <laughs> so one day you could just wake up and then you look at your play day and it's just like, you got a game. And you're just like, oh. It's like a Tamagotchi. Yeah. <laughs> 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 but you don't have to feed it. <laughs> um, but that, but like that sort of like interaction is just like really cool because like, you know, people who are interested in trying like, you know, new things. Mm. Uh, and just like, imagine just like waking up and just like, yeah, there's a <gasps> game right here ready for you to play. And then you could just like play it. Mm. Uh, pick it up and play it or take it with you and like play it on your break and it's like I don't know it's just like really it's nostalgic a, yeah and it's like it's a really fun way to just like play new games that you never thought you'd play mm. um mm-hmm. and there's like so many of them so and it's like it's not even just that um a lot of people um who are not part of like the season are also like creating their own games and uh, they might sell them on itch and mm. you could just like sideload the games onto your device. So, like it's all very easy, <laughs> very easy to use. It's awesome. So yeah, there's, there's no excuse for people to uh, not find something. Cause there's, there's a lot already and it's not even out yet. So mm-hmm. um, it's like very exciting. Awesome. Rakashi, what advice do you have for someone who's dreaming about making their first game? Ooh, I think, no, not I think, I know a lot of people, um, especially people who aspire to be, you know, uh, a game developer, they get, they get hooked into, or just, they just get tangled into the sort of like web of like, gatekeeping as to Mm. what like what does it mean to be a game developer what kind of skills it takes to be a game maker Mm. and i like i want to tell that person to like whatever's on the table just (laughs) just throw everything on the floor and like (laughs) like just toss it onto the floor um that is just like a way to to tell yourself that you're not you're not enough For like to like to to make something to create something, there's so many accessible like engines out there. I, I'm I'm like rambling, but like <laughs> the simplest the simplest way I could say it is even if you make you know a 10 second game in yeah. Twine, you're a game maker. End of story. Yeah. It's not it's not complicated. This is not like you're not you know creating like you're not doing lines of code. You're not. Yeah you know working in all these like super expensive um programs like you don't need unity you don't need game maker you don't like mm. twine i i'm I'll, I'll tell you i let me tell you that people like who made like games in twine have some of like the best content i've ever seen out of any triple a game mm. end of mm-hmm. story like they're so raw they have so much like character interaction mm-hmm. replayability because you know anything could happen in a twine game depending mm-hmm. on the choices you make um it's so incredible and i hate for people to be like oh if i can't make a game in unity mm-hmm. or if i can't make a game in unreal um then i can never be a game maker and <laughs> that's such bullshit i hate it so much mm-hmm. and there are people like online who try to like 
who like push that narrative yeah and i'm just like oh shut up like, like i hate you like you're mm-hmm. like how is that how is that like welcoming anyone into an industry where people should be free to be creative and make f- and tell like fun and interesting stories like it, it it's oh it pisses mm-hmm. me off so much no it's, so, it's so true but yeah like if someone if anyone out there is like you know, even like curious about games um the things you can do in twine are pretty incredible and there's so many resources out there that are also free for making things mm. in twine uh i <laughs> it's actually really funny cuz like i learned a lot of stuff um about twine by reading tutorials by Anna Anthropy. Mm-hmm. And I was always like, oh my God, Anna's so cool. And now we're friends. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's, it's, like, it's like full circle. We've had her on the show, so Yay. we love her too. <laughs> yeah, like all of her stuff is like very helpful and yeah. to just get someone started and make something like very simple so you can make a game like, oh, I woke up. Should I, you know, make my bed or get breakfast? Or should I play video games? And like and like that is like that. What I just said is already like like gamification of yeah. like narrative. Mm-hmm. So see, like see, there it is. Like it's very <laughs> simple to like create you know games, and you don't have to have any skills. You don't have to like program. You don't just make games. <laughs> it's it's possible. It's very possible. Toiling alone, hunched over a computer for seven years in the dark is so last decade. Just download Twine. Exactly. Literally, that's all it takes. It's so good. So, Rakashi, um, focusing in a bit more on you, um, what is your personal history with video games? I, everyone knows me as, like, a big Sonic the Hedgehog fan. Mm-hmm. I love Sonic. Sonic's so great. He's kind of an asshole, but it's fine. <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, he was one of my first crushes. My first, I mean, I was playing Sonic on the Sega Game Gear, and then nice. I, of course, vehemently remember, was it 2009? Sonic Adventure on, or 1998. Oh, 1998 Sonic Adventure on the Sega Dreamcast was my jam. So I am, I'm right there with you. But um, yeah, go on, say more. Yeah, like I, I just like that was like the first game I ever. Well, Sonic Two was the first game I ever played, and I'm just like, whoa! You're like you're going so fast, He's so fast, and, and this, this this fox has two tails. What? <laughs> it was just like such a powerful moment but like Mm. i've really like developed like a love for like platformers it's just (laughs) i've always played like platformers and just love like sort of or if it's not platformer i'll play like a 3d adventure game Mm. um i like running around and like discovering things um Mm. it's just like a lot of fun um like now like nowadays what i've yeah. been playing is uh spelunky 2 <laughs> nice. and i constantly die in that game like all the time <laughs> but um i just keep playing it's fine <laughs> don't worry about it um and also what i've been playing is uh 
Destiny 2, mm. which is like very two like yeah, two very different <laughs> two, two very different <laughs> games, but I play Spelunky because it's cute, it's fun, and it's always different. Um and I play Destiny because I'm very bad at shooters, but mm. when like the characters start talking about lore, I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about, but <laughs> you're really passionate about it, so I guess I'll help you in this quest. Love that and, like, for you. Like, that's, <laughs> yeah, so that like that sort of like way of thinking, but it's it's still very fun, especially when I get to play with others online. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't I don't think there's like a certain kind of game that I don't play unless. If it's an MMO, I have to be careful about MMOs because if I if I like it too much, like I will disappear from yeah, the face goodbye. of this earth. <laughs> yeah, I'll be like, I'll come back in like like September and I'll have like this like huge beard and I'll be like, <laughs> uh, I, I'm finally max level. Like you know what I mean? <laughs> like, I, like, I, can't, I can't. I get. I can't have myself getting lost in MMOs. Yeah. Um. So I don't really play them, but I'll play literally anything else. As long as it's fun, um, I'll play it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mentioned, like, you mentioned your love of Sonic and um, just how fun it is, the discovery. Um, I also noticed, like, I mean, anyone who sees your Twitter will instantly recognize that you are a Sonic fan. Um, like, what does the character of Sonic mean to you personally, and, and how do you relate to him? It's really funny. A lot of people don't even like ask me that, which is really interesting. <laughs> but I did actually did a talk about mm. um my own interpreter interpretation of like Sonic and like I call it speed culture mm. in which you it's it's even like <laughs> it's even in like the the narrative <laughs> the narrative of Sonic the Hedgehog games. Um but like I equated like speed culture with doing your best and like putting your best foot forward and supporting your friends sort of thing. Mm. And I've kind of had like that whole mentality uh, throughout uh, my life and like in also now in the game in- games industry. Mm. So I like it kind of like even evolved into if I see success in the games industry, mm. then I bring other people with me. Mm. Um, so I, I, I don't leave people behind. Like mm. Sonic, if Sonic doesn't leave people behind, then I don't <laughs> either. <laughs> but like, you know, like if I, you know, find myself in a position with someone who's just like, Oh, um, I do this, and I know someone who has supported me is like, oh, I'm looking for something like this. I'd be like, hey, you know, y'all should chat or something. Just like, yeah, I just want like, like kind of like pay it forward and like support everyone really. So I'm always just being like, you talk to this person, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you talk to this person, or even if you know, if I found. Uh, if someone, if like, if people give me, like, like money sometimes, mm. and people, and I, I know someone who's just like, oh, I've been trying to get this program, but you know, like things are tough right now. I buy them the program mm. with the money that someone else gave me. Like it's like, and then they, and then they start creating with, you know, with that program, mm-hmm. and they make something really cool, 
and then they'll be like, oh, thanks for the support, Rokashi. And then I'll be like, well, thanks for your support. You, you, <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? It's just like that back and forth of like supporting each other. And I think yeah. I think the games industry could <laughs> do a lot better with that. Because mm. um, <laughs> I, I see a lot of people who are like, I'm in this like really cool spot right now. And it's just like, how'd you get there? Yeah. And like, <laughs> <laughs> like, wow, how'd you get there? Who helped you? And they're just like, I did it. It's all me. I'm like, uh-huh. Right. Okay. Just a single success tweet and none yeah. of the context. And so can you. Like, But it's like, it's, it's like, it's, there's nothing bad with like, if you, like, if you did, if you did it on your own, like, sure, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, <laughs> there are other people who support you, so mm-hmm. <laughs> just like at least give them a shout out or something. I don't know. Absolutely. It's, like I just find it to be like such an easy thing to do. Um, and I don't know some people act like they just never want to do that ever. Yeah. <laughs> just like it's just like wow, that's not that's not a very. I don't know. It's just like not something I would do. Yeah. <laughs> Mm. It's hard to collect all the rings without teammates. Yeah, and I don't. It, yeah, I was, I, was, I, was, I was gonna make a. I was gonna make a <laughs> chaos emeralds joke. Yes! <laughs> it's like, like, cause like sometimes it's um, it's like, oh well, you did this all without the chaos emeralds. This is like, oh, lucky you. <laughs> like, damn. Um, and we're out here just like you know, looking under rocks for, like, this Chaos Emerald, so we have, like, you know, the power and the energy to do this. Mm-hmm. When you're just like, I don't need your help. It's just like, damn, like, damn. Shadow or something? Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, but, like, in in closing, I guess I do want people to just be more appreciative to people who support them and get them into very interesting places mm-hmm. and opportunities and stuff like that. Absolutely. Like someone who's just genuinely excited for your work and genuinely supporting you and is just like over the moon because you make content. Like what feels better than that? Like, like people, um, I mean, I think you're talking too about literal support, but just Mm. like being thankful for, um, you know, support that gets you further as well as like the people who don't even can't even give you any money, but are still clicking on your stuff, watching your stuff, telling other people about your stuff, like everyone who's involved in lifting you up. Um, yeah, they deserve, deserve some, some appreciation and, and, uh, and thanks. Yeah. So Rakashi, do you consider yourself to be a gamer? <sighs> okay. So if you, <laughs> if you look at my Twitter, it does say gamer. But that's only because if you, so Twitter has this thing where it's just like, oh, make your account professional. I'm like, what professional is on Twitter? Come on, <laughs> give me a break. <laughs> but if you put, if you type in game, it's only gamer. There's no like game developer, game, mm. anything. Is this gamer? I'm like, okay. Oh, oh no, I don't, I hate, I hate the word gamer sometimes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, y'all are not making that word easy for me sometimes, mm. I swear. Mm. Um. So I just like I put gamer, but like, not like said with such uh, shame. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'll say I'm gamer adjacent. Mm. <laughs> I'll mm. say that. And why? Tell tell us why. I don't like. I don't. I don't. I feel like the way how like the media talks about people who are like gamers as like people who are just like i don't know like just people who (laughs) you don't want to like interact with because they're too online Mm -hmm. when 
you know, people who I know who are in like interested in games are very um you know, very friendly, outgoing. Yeah. Uh they do interesting things. Um they support people. And like we never really hear that side mm. <laughs> of like gamer stuff in the news. Mm-hmm. Um and we need more of that. Or like cuz if you like I like even if you like Google like CNN and gamer like I bet you nothing good is gonna come up. I'm like, scared, yeah. <laughs> like you don't want to do. Like, I I want to like change that. Like, mm. I want when people think about like gamers, it's just like oh, you know, communities of people supporting each other, uh, making and creating, yeah, um, funding and granting, um, like that sort of thing. And yeah, we don't get that in media, and we should mm. even like a lot of like. Um, like the game awards, mm. they don't really talk about that either, mm. Mm. which is really weird. I don't know, something's up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So something's <laughs> something's going on. I think I think, especially for like a platform like that, I think it could do better with, you know, naming more people who aren't at the top already, right? Mm. Um, and start talking about people who you know, are, like, on the sidelines still do- putting in, like, a lot of the work or maybe even more work than people who are just, like, up at the top and taking it for granted. Mm-hmm. Um, I want more of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Rakashi, how can folks keep up with you and your games? I... Everything I do is mostly on Twitter. I know I shitpost a lot. It's fine. <laughs> But like, <laughs> come for the like, updates. Stay for the shit posting. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm always on uh, Twitter trying to uh, spread positivity when I can, and uh, that's where I post announcements for my game, uh, Farway Fairway. Um, and I have a bunch of links in my bio of stuff that I do. So, yeah. Awesome. <laughs> and your handle is. What's my name? Rokashi. Awesome. <laughs> Keep it simple. <laughs> <laughs> Rokashi, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. for today's session of pixel therapy thank you for tuning in and we hope that listening to our thoughts and feelings gave you some thoughts and feelings of your own if you want more pixel therapy come check us out at patreon.com slash pixel therapy pod where you can snag that monthly bonus episode for just two dollars a month plus get opportunities to get involved with the community and influence the show directly if you're not up for contributing monetarily but you enjoyed this episode you can show your support for free by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts and following us on Twitter and Instagram at Pixel Therapy Pod. That stuff is just as important and we do appreciate it just as much. Remember that Pixel Therapy is a happy member of the But Why Though Podcast Network, so you can support us by supporting them and heading over to butwhythoughpodcast.com. That's though with a T-H-O. Take a peek at the inclusive geek community they're building around pop culture news, reviews, and kick-ass podcasts like yours truly. And you can keep up with all of this stuff and more by visiting our website at pixeltherapypod.com. Finally, since we like to put our money and our energy where our mouth is, we end every episode with a recommended side quest. This week, uh, shout out to Rokashi for the awesome recommendation of letting you all know about the Hand Eye Society. It's a Toronto not-for-profit dedicated to supporting and showcasing video games made primarily as a form of creative expression. The Hand Eye Society aims to provide exhibition opportunities, education, creative support, mentorship, 
knowledge sharing and inspiration to artists, enthusiasts, and the game Curious in Toronto. Founded in 2009, it's one of the first video game arts organizations of its kind in the world. Visit HandDieSociety.com to learn more about membership, volunteer as a game tester, or donate a console or equipment. Again, that's HandDieSociety.com. Thank you for that side quest, Spencer. That is our show for today. So go forth, run a story mission, level up some stats, and don't forget to hug an NPC every now and then. We'll be back soon with some more Pixel Therapy. Therapy. Bye-bye.